Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. I'm on my own today, as the song says, all by myself, by my lonesome. Uh, in my defense, I was left unattended on today's podcast without Pete Mitchell, who was uh, busy somewhere losing fat, working out, putting on bulk, and uh, getting ultra ripped. And uh, anyway, so that's my shout out to my partner. But I'm on here with a guest. You know, it's funny, when books come out, I make it a point to get certain authors everything they write. And one of those guys, it won't surprise any of you who know me and know what I write, that that author is Sean Banash. If you don't know Sean Banash, he has written a number of, of books. Some of my favorites, uh, like Bikeable Church, to me was such a unique little book um, that talks about his uh, relationship with the Portland uh, cycling community and how he just really just was himself, and God used that. And he reimagines what it looks like for church planners to rethink how they how they do ministry in particular in a city like Portland. This guy is all about missional context. That is his passion. Um, he's I, I would say he's passionate about church planning. I don't know that he'd say that. I think he's passionate about Christ. I think he's passionate about mission. And that's really if you boil Dr. Sean Banesh down. And there is a doctor there, by the way. He's too cool for you to know that if you're just looking at him reading his post. But he actually has learned things to say. But what I love about Sean, if I'm going to quote Rod Tidwell, that's what I totally dig about you, man, off Jerry Maguire. For young people, watch it. You don't know what I'm talking about. But What I love about Sean is almost everything this dude writes is from the trenches. And he's got a new book. Before I let him talk, I'm going to tell you what the title is. He's got a brand new book that has just dropped called Through 
barren wastelands in search of explorers, pioneers, misfits, and the apostolic imagination. I get all gushy when I read that title. Sean, always an honor, man. Good to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, and uh, don't don't I I don't wax that praise on. Um, to, I don't say that to all the guys, Sean. So, <laughs> but I, I I honestly feel like you have uh, something to say, and your blog posts have been um, on fire. If you've not checked out his website, um, you definitely need to head on over to uh, intrepidmissions.com. He's got a book called Intrepid as well that that came from. But um, Sean, tell us a little bit. Tell my audience that doesn't know. Tell me, just tell me your history. Where you been? How'd you get into this crazy little thing called church planning? <laughs> oh, the origin story, right? Yeah, oh, totally, dude. So I'm sitting here. For those of you that can't see, I've got a Superman. I'm sitting right now in the hall, uh, Fortress of Solitude with the Superman shirt on. So that that's fitting. Of well, course, Sean is a DC guy, right? Not a Marvel guy. Totally DC. Sorry, guy. sorry, I'm not. Um, if they if they would produce better content, I would buy it. But it started and ended with Batman. Um, I, I agree, brother. I agree. And <laughs> Iron Man just, boom, John Favreau, the Mandalorian. I mean, come on. What are you going to say? He's awesome. Yeah. He's a genius. Yeah. All right. Tell so, us your story. Okay. So to piggyback on the whole origin story of superheroes, I mean, usually we see a theme, right? Either they're born with innate abilities and they're just awesome, like Superman, or their stories really are birthed out of like pain and, and tragedy, like Batman. You know, if there's no childhood tragedy, there's no Batman. Plus, being a billionaire also kind of helps, too. So, I have been involved in church planning really for the last 20 years, roughly. I mean, I'm at the point where it's almost 20, so I'm definitely rounding up. So, a lot of my storyline really begins with, I'm 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 not and wasn't a good church planner. And as a result, I... My go-to line is, I was such a good fundraiser, I had to get a part-time job. So that, for me, unintentionally stepping into bivocational church planning was literally one of the best things that ever happened to me. So it just opened up my eyes. Because previously, coming out of college, I was on staff at a couple churches and, you know, living and immersed in that whole church bubble. And again, when I stepped into church planning, it was like, oh, wow, and surrounding my life with people who don't know Christ, have no interest in church. And that really opened my eyes up to um, not just bivocational ministry, but just like being then intentional from that point on in kind of stepping out of the mainstream of a lot of the church planning rhetoric and surrounding my life, just living around and being with people who have zero interest in church or God or Christianity. So that really was kind of the the origins of that. And really, it was just moving farther in that direction. And as I continued to do so, it was the realization that like, holy cow, like I'm, this is, I'm living like a missionary life and I'm living on the mission field, but like I, I never left. I never left the U.S. of A. And so again, that was the you know a part of it, just you know, re envisioning not not even re envisioning, but just opening my eyes up to see this whole world that 
I just didn't know before. And so that really was so foundational of everything. And so, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of that. So since then, been a church planner, a very subpar one, a couple times over, worked for a denomination as a church planning strategist and, you know, taught church planning in seminary. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of wrinkles into the origin story that would probably be really boring. So, but that's just kind of like some of that, those initial moments that kind of pushed me in this direction. Well, you mentioned in your book, you start off, you know, you talk about the wanderlust and, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think that's an apostolic trait. Like I love mm-hmm. that you bring that out. Um, t- talk to us a little bit about what that means to you as a church planner to have this sense of wanderlust. Yeah. So, I mean, and you, so again, my life right now is very, I don't want to say divided, but there's different buckets that I live my life. It's not, there's one me, there's, there's many me's. Um, so what, you know, you part of my, me. <laughs> I didn't say many, I said many. <laughs> so there definitely is a part of my life that is immersed in academia. Like I love it. I love school. I love daily time in the classroom. Right when we're done, I'm jetting off to teach. Like I absolutely love it. At the same time, I know literally by the end of the school year, like I'm just emotionally fried. I'm mentally fried. Like I just need a vacation, like a mental vacation. So, so the last couple of years I had begun just picking up books on really just adventure, or it could be early explorers from, um, conquistadors to, um, the Apaches to wherever. And it was just like, just reading all these historical accounts, some inspirational, some horrific. Um, but it just really like ignited something within me in that, like, why don't ministry books ever sound like this? It's almost like, it's just like watching grass grow. And there was just, there's very little that I read that just, stirs and capture my heart and imagination and that wanderlust. And again, part of it too is also this is how I'm wired is part academia, part creative. Like before I came to Christ, I started college as an art major and that was the whole trajectory of my life. And then boom, Jesus came in, redirected, but there's still that part of me, that creative, that wanderlust. And so, so when I set out to write I literally had in my mind all these books that I had just been diving into about early explorers, you know, or more modern day ones like the end of the wild fame. And again, every time I read those books, like like there's just something that resonates, like going off the grid, moving against the grain of society. And in this case, just moving against the grain of ministry. And again, since I've been involved in church planning now, almost 20 years, it's the realization that, where, where is the adventure in church planning? And so much of it has been domesticated. Um, and I, you know, talk about how it's, you know, it's, it's, it's led by people who love spreadsheets and, you know, the, the, the pioneers, the explorers, the misfits, they're just, they've just kind of faded away into the background. 
And so this was a book just to kind of explore these topics, explore my love for mm. exploring and wanderlust and how do we bring the sense back into church planning where it is an adventure, it is a career, or it is it is a vocation, not a career. And we do it so we're, because we're so compelled and called, not because it's the cool, hip, trendy thing to do. Right. So uh, often, you know, I've thought about it, that you've got um, Dr. Jones in the Harvard lecture. And, you know, it's interesting because you're an academic and an adventurer combined, right? You're a bit like Indiana Jones. And I think what I hear you saying is how do we get from, you know, the, the halls of Harvard to out raiding temples, kind of um, <laughs> cracking the whip, you know, uh, you know, actually living this adventure, so one of my uh, one of my questions is, how does a church planner, um, how do they live on that adventure? Yeah, so I mean that also feeds into what I do in lead for Intrepid, just because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have a lot of these dominoes or at least moving parts in you know I call it the machinery of church planning, and if you want to break free really the biggest piece arguably is the financial one, right? Like this is fun to talk. Let's be wanderlust. Let's, let's go to the margins. Let's focus on off the beaten path places and people let's do this. And then there's the all crap. Like, how am I going to fund this? Like my denomination may not fund me because I'm going to this overlooked place or, um, the conventional church planning funding mechanism is I get a lot of people in my gathering who eventually pay me. So that immediately rules out going to marginal communities, marginal people, because that's a horrible model in the Mm. same way we wouldn't expect international missionaries moving into a slum community in Mumbai to do the same. So in our cohorts, the whole purpose is, all right, so how do we do this? And it's going to take a different model And what I mean by that is a different funding model. And that's why those going through our cohorts are looking to start some kind of social enterprise, for-profit, non-profit, so they can really live out this calling and not be so hamstrung by our current funding models. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, and I I track with you. I mean, I get your newsletter have for years. And so I I can remember back when you, we're like, hey, I'm putting a collective together. It's a few years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for people that want to start up businesses. And I want to I wanna kind of track together. That struck me as adventurous. You know, mm-hmm. you were pushing out into the unknown then. And, of course, I know you have, you know, kind of missionary roots. First time I ever heard of you was um, with the, uh, the guys at the Upstream. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and I remember coming back from Europe going – gosh, these guys get it, man. Like, of course, European missionaries are always going to, you know, kind of align with European missionaries. But, um, but that was the first time I'd heard of you was through them. And then, um, you know, just kind of tracking with you, you don't seem to, um, you don't seem to get in a rut. You seem like you're always pushing yourself kind of out, which I know is a, a big part of what, you know, the book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you, um, how would you find God fueling your apostolic imagination? How have you kept hungry? How have you kept, I guess, really not kept hungry. I think you're always hungry. The real question is, how are you satiating that mm-hmm. apostolic hunger that's in you 
to do more. Um, yeah, I mean, that's great. And I would say, and again, in light of what you and I were talking about before, or just even the most recent newsletter I sent out, an article was, you know, I compared, <laughs> sorry, so I compared much of like our church planning, you know, publishing industry and et cetera, really on, you know, compared with the whole boy band era, it's very generic, it sounds the same, et cetera. So for me to fuel my heart, my soul, my desire is, I just had to make a conscious decision number of years ago, just to completely remove myself from that because church planning world ends up simply being an echo chamber. And I don't mean that honestly in any disparaging way. It's just, we're, we're prone to groupthink, right? And that's what we do. So for me to remove myself, I literally had to step out of those conversations and immerse myself in a whole different world outside of quote unquote ministry. Um, and whether it's my reading appetite um, things that I do for my occupation or occupations, um, experiences like exploring, you know, kind of feeding that itch, whether it's, you know, moving down the track of, you know, um, more photography, more exploring, you know, journaling, adventure journalism, whatever, just kind of fueling these things as well as my own startups. Like I'm, you know, one day I was like, I'm tired of this publishing industry. Screw it. I'm starting my own publishing house. And yeah. I did that for a few well, years. It's funny you say that because <laughs> your books are what people need to hear. They're not necessarily what sells. Mm. So this is the problem with the publishing industry is the stuff that's going to sell is going to be the boy band, you know, kind of like you're <laughs> saying. And the stuff that people actually need to listen to. It's like you have to do that. And even even Alan Hirsch right now is, you know, as, as big of a seller as he is, he's saying, I need absolute freedom right now mm. to publish what needs to be said. Mm. He's got that prophetic bone in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of it, too, is just, again, no conspiracy theories at all, because publishing, <laughs> I feel like I just got to, I got to repeat that over and over. And that, I'm not crying foul. They're just, it's a business. <laughs> the business just like a record label is a business and you want to crank out something that's going to be a good return on investment so i just had to not play i guess those games and yeah. i mean i had conversations with a number of publishing you know yeah. companies and at the end like i just i need like we were talking about with alan like i just need that creative freedom i just want to say what i need to say and get it out on my own timeline because i remember one publishing like company like yeah we love this this is great we're looking at our time clock. Yeah, we can release this in three years. And my thought was like, the whole world is going to be different in three years. Right. I can't wait three years. So I, I was turned down a book. I was actually turned down too, but my last book contract was uh, turned down because it was too radical. Mm. And they, they, they didn't have a box to put it in. And I think that's kind of coming back to this. Like you were, you were advocating a very radical approach. Like, you liken church planners to pioneers in your book. In fact, mm. you have a chapter called Pioneers Found New Communities. Tell me a little bit about what you mean by that. Uh, yeah, so I tried to, in my mind, <clears throat> again, none of the, the categories or labels are, you know, they're, no, they're nowhere found in Scripture. We would argue they fall probably under the umbrella of the A's in the right apostolic and i was just trying to think like 
again, trying to remove myself from some of these categories to go, who really are these pioneers or explorers? And that's why I broke them into three categories, the, the explorers, the pioneers, and then the misfits. <clears throat> and the explorers really are the ones that blaze the new trails. And, you know, and again, I was just coming off of reading a lot of these old explorers and just mm. like, they're the ones, you know, forging a new land, which again, that's also laced in a lot of the tension of, you know, colonial expansion. Cause what, you know, you're explorer. Yeah. You're pi- but actually there's people that already live there and have so for generations, but that's another conversation. So, so explorers kind of identify new terrain, the pioneers come on the heels and then establish the communities. And I was also thinking, cause I, one of the courses I do teach and have taught was history of the American city, which I love because it really wow. is this conversation about how, how were cities started and in particular, how were cities on the U S soil started? You know what I mean? So how, I mean, how did we like, again, I'm then part of our course, we're looking at Portland. So how did Portland go from literally just nothing to now a region, you know, regional Metro area of two point three, four million. And it, it started with those early explorers going, I think this is a good spot. And then these plucky, you know, visionaries who are like, let's buy this land, let's clear off and let's sell lots. And then the pioneers come on the heels and help kind of grow that. And then again, the category of the misfits are just those who really utilize or live in the world of divergent thinking. Like they just, they think differently because that's who they are. Mm. I love that. And you talk about a friend in the book named Brian, yeah. who you say is a, is a misfit. You would have never heard of him, but you said, you know, maybe other pastors think of him as a contrarian or, mm-hmm. you know, a little eccentric. But what I love is you, you mentioned how you were eating a meal with him. And this, this is how I think of you. I think of you like walking into a supermarket and you're like the Terminator going, you know, because your, your deal is missional context. Like, if if you just I'll say this to all you guys if you if you want to understand if you if there's someone out there who has kind of really a, a sharp the person I turn to would be both upstream and intrepid on missional context these guys that's their deal like like you know um, I guess Smuckers makes jam that's what you guys make right um, <laughs> intrepid does this but but he said this your friend Brian you classify as a misfit which is a compliment by the way yes very um, much if if Shambhadesh calls you a misfit he's saying good things about you <laughs> but he says it this way he says you know as we shared a meal he paused leaned towards me and said if you really want to track where the front edge growth of poor communities are follow the dollar tree and you say he went on to explain how the Dollar Tree has it all figured out in terms of demographic trends and changes. They're one step ahead. When a zip code or neighborhood begins spiraling down, that's when they open a store. In other words, the Dollar Tree knows its target market so well that it follows them wherever they are. That is gold right there. And, you know, I read that, Sean, and I think, oh, gosh, I, I want to look at my world that way. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to understand that about my world. Um, how can how can planners, you know, uh, how do you are you born a misfit? Do you become <laughs> a misfit? Are bis- misfits made or born? I mean, h- how have you seen this? Can you mm-hmm. start off as a, a card carrying megachurch pastor, get broken, mm-hmm. you know, hit the skids and start all over and become a misfit? Yeah. And, and honestly, this is literally something that. 
I've really been wrestling with a lot lately. And I think there definitely is, again, I only have the basis of my own life, right? So I can't jump into the minds of other people. But I think for me, it was, there was definitely, it's like anything, there was something innate, right? So again, my trajectory in life up until I came to Christ was art. Like I'm going to pursue the arts. I'm going to go to art school. This is what I'm doing. And then I met Jesus wrestling with like, again, I didn't, I didn't have categories. I'm like, my life was a dumpster fire. Lord, you have it all. And people heard that and they're like, I think God's calling you into ministry. And I'm like, okay, I don't, sure, let's do it. And they're like, you should go to a Christian school. Like done. So I transferred and then, you know, got, went on the whole ministry track, you know, undergrad biblical studies, pastoral ministries, masters in church planning and church growth, et cetera. But it was almost like, like the old creative side of me was like, I never heard about that in college. It wasn't mm. like the arts or anything like that. It was almost like that was put on a shelf. But I also realized looking back, like my first two ministry positions out of college, I always got in trouble with the senior pastor. And it wasn't because I was doing stupid things. It was because <laughs> I was just, I was just starting new things. I was reshuffling things around. Like I was, I was oh, but started that twister ministry again. <laughs> we got to talk to him. Yeah. So I was getting in trouble and that's where for me, once I stepped into church planning, then it's like, Oh, the light started turning on and right. that really began fueling. And it was like, how do I continue to move myself into this and finally come to the acceptance? Like, like I'm not trying to be, but I, all right, I know I'm creative. I'm not, not trying to be like a dirt bag, but I know I'm a disruptor and I'm finally comfortable with that. But that's not out of angst. It's just there's something hardwired and it was in there, but I felt like I never really had the freedom to cultivate it, nor the, the framework. And that's why I always say like I, gotta, I had to step out of the mainstream of the, the ministry machinery just mm -hmm. so I could feed that. And so any thinking or thoughts is because I'm, I'm out. I'm now out of that echo chamber. Well, and that that's kind of the point, isn't it? That, you know, a lot of what you're pushing towards in this book and also in Intrepid in general is to disassociate yourself from the money aspect mm. mm -hmm. of ministry. And those two are very connected. Mm -hmm. So when you're in seminary, um, they don't want to encourage you to think outside the box because they're trying to teach you, hey, you need money to do this. And nobody who's going to give you money wants you to go blaze a new trail. They want you to do what's time-tested, safe, secure, predictable, um, because there's money attached mm. to it, which is why I love the, the idea that you're, you're saying, hey, bivocationalism, um, as Briscoe calls it, Kovo, um, this is going to free you up. And, and yeah. you're also, you've got a real passion towards entrepreneurship. Um, in ministry, that that mm. whole idea of almost a two, like if you're going to take a risk with your whole life and start business, take risk uh, with the church as well. How are those two connected? That's my final question today. Mm. Yeah. So even as you're talking again, it's the reminder of, because I feel like on some levels, this, I mean, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. And I hear that all the time from, from church planners in our cohort. Like we had a guy who was on staff at a church and finally he just had to step down because this church just doesn't get what he wants to do. And all he wants to do is he wants to move across the country, 
find a low-income, declining rural community and start a business in there. And out of that, plant a church. And they just, his church doesn't get him. And I hear that all the time from those in our cohorts. They're like, our church doesn't get us. Our supporters don't get us. But the irony of it all is, or like, yeah, the irony of it all is, and I tell the guys all the time, is like, but imagine this. If what if everything you were doing, you were doing overseas, then all of a sudden everyone's going to be like, yeah, man, you're awesome. Of course you should do that. Of course you should go to Dublin and start like a motorcycle lifestyle apparel brand and connect with, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, of yeah. course you should go to Mumbai and start a community development nonprofit. Of course you should do this. Like we know, like, again, it's that geography game. Why is stuff over there brilliant, innovative, and right on? And then you do those same things here and people are like, ah, oh, that's, that's not how church planning should be done. And again, that's why I'm like, if you really want to do that, you got to figure out how to fund it because you will be labeled a misfit. Yep. Again, See, you're not that, doing that, it out of yeah. angst. Yeah. That right there. If you're going to do that, you better figure out how to fund it. I love that. And I think in the first century, right? I mean, when that kind of Paul's big deal, he, he collides into Priscilla and Aquila and Corinth. Mm-hmm. on the second missionary journey game over you know yeah. that that right there freed that man up there's even a, a verse in that chapter where it says and when uh i think it was like timothy and silas turn up they're like you know uh they found paul doing you know i don't remember what ministry it was preaching mm-hmm. the gospel there's a there's a way that it's phrased that he's freed up mm. just to do that for a time when he collides with priscilla and aquila but then I think what happens, right, is that they kind of franchise this tent-making business, right? That that all these missionaries are, they're entrepreneurs at the same time. They're starting up tent-making businesses. I mean, that's, that's to me, that's the next iteration of what I want to follow is very much what you're doing. But that is um, teaching people how to start up something that's going to help them make a living. Yeah. Um, because if we can combine those two things then we, you can almost hit the reset button on the church planning of the future. You could change the trajectory of church planning forever if you figured out that piece, right? Yeah, and, it's, and again, the beauty is that it is the financial piece, and it's also the, that missionary piece, right? Financial and, Peace University? Just joking. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Unless, unless they're a paid sponsor of the podcast. Maybe they should. Sorry, I can't, I can't help it. You know, the punk in me sees the punk in you. And he's, it's oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's the financial piece, but there's also, again, that missionary piece because, I mean, I always say like this, most fully funded church planners have what I call creepy church planning syndrome, right? Because they're fully funded. They hang out at coffee shops. They're trying to strike up conversations to get to know people. But if you're out there either working by vocational or you're starting like a legitimate business, you don't even have to try. Your whole life is surrounded by people who have no, who would have no interest in your cool hip gathering. I don't care if you have a yep. cool pullover bar or whatever. So there's that missionary piece that you're surrounded by people who are not going to be interested yep. in you as a church planner, but you as an entrepreneur, definitely. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Well, guys, um, my guest today has been Sean Banesh, and we have been talking about his latest book. Um, I want to encourage you, again, head on over to intrepid.com. 
or sorry, intrepidmissions.com. I should know that because I'm, I'm, I'm on the, the mailing list. <laughs> but the book is, and, and honestly, track with this dude. You guys know I'm, I'm careful on this podcast who I tried to hook you up with. Um, but, you know, for, for real, I learned from Sean. I learned a ton from Sean um, through Barren Wastelands in search of explorers, pioneers, misfits, and the apostolic imagination. You can head on over to his website, intrepidmissions.com, and pick that up. Definitely sign up to his newsletter. And uh, Sean, man, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. All right. Oh, I got two commercials that I got to give you guys. Number one, uh, Sean, while you're starting up all of this, um, sorry, I can't, I can't, normally my, my, my partner and I, uh, we riff off of this commercial, but uh, while you're, while you're doing all this, you know, entrepreneurial stuff and starting up all these churches, obviously, you know, you don't have time to do your bookkeeping, right? So uh, no. you got to go to simplifychurch.com, right? That's, that's our, that's our, uh, but you know, uh, they'll handle all your, this is what, this is what Sean Banesh would say right here. They'll handle all your bookkeeping needs, yada, yada, yada. So there's church planner packages. So I'll help you do all the finances so you can focus on your business. Maybe they'll do both. Check them out. So uh, anyways, second commercial I got is um, the Exponential right now is doing fall roundtables focus on uh, ethnicity, diversity, um, the tensions that have come to a head in America. And if you don't know this, I mean, the Jerusalem Council was, was basically to deal with the colliding of two cultures that were, um, you know, as the gospel was spreading uh, there were ethnic tensions between the Jews and Gentiles, and they had to sort that out. We believe that everything that's happening right now in society is really, I mean, these tensions come into a head, justice, reconciliation. This is where the church ought to really shine. And unfortunately, we don't. We, we have not been ready for this conversation. An exponential right now is saying, well, you know, better late than never. Let's have the conversations. Let's meet. So uh, they're doing a series rather than doing six regional conferences they are doing, they're taking it to the local church, a hundred cities, a hundred different gatherings with um, various speakers. I, th I think there's like 60 different people that you, you choose, you choose a topic that fits your context and you talk it through and uh, it's all about having conversations. So I want to encourage you to head over to multiply, uh, multiply.org and uh, register for these hundred round tables that are going to replace regionals. This is going to be taking it again to a local city context and it's going to be an amazing time. So definitely check that out. And uh, thanks for joining us today on the Church Planner Podcast. My guest has been Sean Banesh. His new book just dropped, Through Barren Wastelands, In Search of Explorers, Pioneers, Misfits, and the Apostolic Imagination. Again, his website, intrepidmissions.com. And in the meantime, this has been Peyton Jones minus Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. 
This podcast is brought to you by The Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 